Just one verse is the last verse of Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. And thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Holy Spirit, we just wait on you to mantle yourself upon this congregation. Lord, we pray now that you would settle us in our seats and in your presence. We ask you, Father, that you would help us to set aside the thoughts and the cares of this life. We ask you, O God, that you would reveal your Son to us even more in the Scriptures. May we leave here this morning rejoicing in our salvation. I love you. Father, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. So glorify the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, remember those who are mourning. Remember Tracy and Gordon and Denise and Jackie and her mommy and her, her family circle. Comfort them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we want to speak on God's path. God's presence and God's pleasures. God's path, God's presence, and God's pleasures. Now, what if I was to say to you this morning, and I'm sure the majority, if not all of us, are saved. We are believers. We're blood-washed. What if I was to say to you this morning, I want to preach the gospel. And some would say, you know, well, we're believers, why preach the gospel to us? I don't know about you, brother, and I don't know about you, sister, but when I hear the gospel, when I hear the gospel of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, when I hear of his dying on the cross and his burial, his resurrection, his ascension and his glorification, his high priestly ministry preached, when I hear of how he bore away all of my sins and sorrows, I rejoice. I take strength in it and hope. For that is our hope. The gospel of saving grace found in none other but Christ himself. And this morning as we're looking at this, if we were to be honest with Psalm 16, we see that this really is prophetic of Christ himself. And we want to at the outset, show you that where we're going with this, I want to show you and break down the gospel. But because we're believers, I want to make it not just so simplified as in a, a meeting to attract the unsealed, but for you and I to grasp hold, if it be possible at all, a little of what our great salvation brings. And how we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The gospel. God's path, God's presence, God's pleasure. And in this we see that everything we speak of this morning, everything we speak of is in accordance to what Christ hath already done. Look at Psalm 16. Verse 10 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in the grave. 
Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Christ was raised on the third day. Peter preaches this. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And the ascended, glorified, risen Christ now stands at the right hand of God. In the glory of his Father. And because he lives, we shall live also. And because he is risen from the dead, so shall those who die in Christ and live with him. So this morning, everything we look at in this last verse of Psalm 16, verse 11, what we want to see is what Christ has accomplished for you and I. I could come this morning and tell you how to get through a storm, and I could tell you how to get through a trouble and a hardship of life, and I could work all of these things out through the Scriptures and try and edify you. But there's nothing that can edify the heart, the soul, the mind of a Christian more than being assured in their salvation. Than knowing what the Scripture says about them and the Christ who bought them. In this little verse, verse 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life. There we have a revealed path we will look at first. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Secondly, we will look at relishing presence. Revealed path, a relishing presence. And thirdly, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We have replenishing pleasures. Pleasures forevermore. Now, depending on time this morning, I might go and do one point. I want to go as the Lord allows me and as I can apply this to you. Notice, thou wilt show me. Thou wilt show me. This is important, you see, because we know if someone takes you somewhere to show you something, we know exactly what that means. But here, it means that, but it's stronger. It's got more gravity and grip with it. The term to show is a word, yada, and it means to perceive, to acquire knowledge, to be acquainted with. It even comes down in Scripture to mean to be intimate, to be intimate with. For example, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Adam was intimate with Eve. That bond and union that a husband and a wife know together, yada, to perceive one another and to be intimate. So here, thou wilt show me the path of life. The psalmist is saying here, Lord, you, it takes you to help me to perceive the path of life. Lord, it takes you to help me to inquire the knowledge about the path of life. It takes you to help me to be acquainted, to be intimate with this path. And if you don't do it, then I can't. You see, brothers and sisters, in our sin, and in the world before we were saved, there's nothing in us that wanted him. 
There's nothing in you that wanted him. At the most, we had religious experience thinking we were pleasing some sort of God, whoever it was that was out there. At the most. When all the time we were at enmity with the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The term knowest not there is the exact same word for thou wilt show me. It's yada. You, you can't perceive what's tomorrow. You can't perceive what the next day holds. Don't boast yourself that you'll get saved tomorrow if you're not saved. And don't boast yourself that you're going to do great, wonderful, and swelling things because you don't know what tomorrow holds. I have preached at meetings and people have went out the same way that they came in and they have went into eternity the, the, the very night that I had preached. At the door they have said to me, tomorrow will do, tomorrow will do, tomorrow will do. Boasting themselves of tomorrow. And yet, how many times in our sin did we do it also? We can't perceive it. Don't you be acquainted so much with tomorrow that you turn away Christ? Isaiah 53 and verse 3, listen to what it says. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is despised. And rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Notice he was acquainted with grief. It's the word yada again. Thou wilt show me. He became intimate with your sorrow. He became intimate with our grief. The word grief is disease. Christ became Acquainted with disease, the sinless, spotless, impeccable Son of God. The Holy One of Israel became intimate with your sin and disease and mine. The disease of a sinful life, the disease of a depraved nature, the disease that you and I had was all placed upon him and the sicknesses that come with it. And he became intimate with it. That he might carry it away from us. So thou wilt show me the path of life. You will cause me, Lord, to perceive. Now, it's very important we understand this point. This point, it leads us into the next. It, everything swings on this. Thou wilt show me. You will cause me to perceive. You will... Cause me to know, to be acquainted with, to acquire knowledge of the path of life. Lord, you will show me the path of life. Not only in our Christian life, does he lead us in paths of righteousness. Listen, for his name's sake. But here the path of life was shown to us when we were in our sin. So first of all, we want to look at the revealed path. The revealed path. Thou wilt show me means, gives the idea of regeneration. 
regeneration is that when we are dead, he makes us alive. Dead toward him, he makes us alive unto him. It's what we call the born again experience. The new birth. It's a move of the spirit. Regeneration leads to the revealed path. Regeneration leads to revelation, brothers and sisters. Are you born again? Have you found revelation in Christ? Revelation of who he is? Of what he has done for you? Simple faith tells us that which is even given to us by God to be able to believe says, I believe you're the Savior and I, and I want you to save me because I'm a sinner and you're the only Savior and you'll be saved, yes. But there's revelation to be had in the regeneration that you're in. Revelation of the person of Christ. Revelation about the glories of Christ. Revelation about the finished work of Christ. To know your own faith and have an answer when any man asks you of it. When an atheist can say to you, why do you believe in a God you cannot see? What about the Bible that says this and the atheists are the theologians? Christian, read the scriptures. There's great revelation. But I don't understand it. Ask him. Ask him, and he will show you. Ask him, and he will show you. Notice, before salvation, we are degenerate. Go and say it again. Before salvation, we are degenerate. After salvation, or when we get saved, we are regenerate. We are living unto God. We're alive unto him. Regeneration is a work of God upon the dead. I want to say it again. I want you to get it. Because if you get this, you're going to understand how much you're loved. If you get this into your spirit, into your heart this morning, you're going to walk out of here saying, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Regeneration is a sovereign work of God upon the dead. In other words, you were going to hell dead in your sin. And he loved you so much. He, through his Holy Spirit, quickened you. Nothing of you that wanted him. But he wanted you. It's not a marvelous thing to think of. That he hath chosen thee in Christ before the foundation of the world. Imagine he knew me. He knew my life. He knew my past that I have. He knew my sorrows. He, he knew all the sin. He knew all the depravity. He knew all that you were and all that you would be. He knew your failures. He knows all about it. He knew your very nature was depraved. 
Every one of us has a depraved nature according to the flesh. Every one of us are so depraved that not only are we capable of doing anything, but the poverty is that we have no chance of saving ourselves. <laughs> not a chance. There's nothing I could have done to save myself. I was dead. But he, through his Holy Spirit, caused me to live. Caused you to live. He says, I know your sin, child, but I have loved thee from eternity. Lord, why do you love me? I don't understand it. You don't need to. You just need to accept it. Receive it. That he loves you. That he loves you. A regener regeneration is a work of God upon the dead. Listen, bringing them to life and causing them to see, to know, to perceive and acquire knowledge and be acquainted with Christ. Do you know why God made me alive in the spirit? Do you know why God challenged and quickened my heart? That I may come into fellowship with him through his son. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we all know Nicodemus comes to Christ by night and the Lord says to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. If a man or a woman aren't born again, they can't even perceive the kingdom. They cannot understand the things of the kingdom. They cannot be acquainted with the things of the kingdom of God if you're not born again. Why, people don't understand when we tell them the wonders of Christ and his glories, they, they think we're mad. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In John 3 and 5, he says, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, or except a man be born from above, he cannot, listen, enter into the kingdom. And in verse 7 of John chapter 3, he turns to Nicodemus, this man who was off a, the junior Sanhedrin, this man who, who was a Jewish scholar, this man who went to the synagogue and was religious and done all the right things, and Jesus says, marvel not. Don't be surprised, in other words, that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You must be regenerated by the Spirit. Born from above. You must come into fellowship with God through me, he says. My brothers and sisters, and there's an echo of this, or this echoes, I should say, in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. In Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, there's a little uh, message here to Israel where the Lord says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I'd give you a beating heart for me from stone dead to a living heart, a living life, a living way. I'll show you, he says, I will cause you to see. I'll cause you to know. 
John chapter 1 and verse 13. It tells us of this new birth is of divine origin. It's of regeneration. It says of us who are saved, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Brothers and sisters, those of us who are saved, we could not be born of the will of others. We're not saved by our own blood. We're not saved by nationality. We're not saved by race. We're not saved by the will of our flesh. We can't will ourselves to be saved. You didn't will yourself, you were dead. You couldn't even be saved through the will of a godly grandparent or a godly parent. We can only be saved by God. Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. You see here, uh, regeneration is necessary to our salvation. Listen, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, everything is of him. Think about this. Think about this. Let's just pause a minute. Let's not run too fast. You were dead. You were hopeless. You were lifeless toward God. You and I were full of emptiness and vanity. Full of sin and depravity. On a broad road to destruction. On the way to hell. But he loved us. He loved you before you were a twinkle in your mommy's eye. Listen, dare I say it to you, he loved you even before Adam was in the garden. He loved you before he flung the stars into space. How does he do it? I don't know. But he did. And he set his love upon you. And even in your sinning, in your waywardness and in your worldliness and mine from way back there he waited as it were in time until the day and the hour he says now I'm calling you to me Ken wake up son I love you his spirit started speaking to you his spirit started moving in you. 
Oh yes, he used men or he used women or he used a pastor or he used a preacher or he used something that happened in your life that caused you to think of the things of heaven. He used it, but it was him all along. And he says, I love you and I don't want you to go to a lost eternity. I don't want you to end up in a devil's hell. I don't want you burning forever in a lake of fire. Because I love you. When some of us were drugged out of our heads, when some were lying in their own vomit from drinking, and some of us had a mind like a sewer pipe, and a mouth that would cause a sailor to blush, he still loved you. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me, and he died for you. Oh, come on. He said, this, is a, this is around the table exactly. We remain, are reminded by these emblems of his broken body and his precious shed blood. Exactly. We come to the cross and we say, Lord... We thank you for your wonderful gift of salvation. He's no longer on the cross. And he's no longer in the tomb. Up from the grave he arose. He has ascended. At the right hand there are pleasures, he says. Pleasures forevermore. And those who are in him will be with him in glory. That's me. You know what I think a lot of times when I think of this? I wrote this yesterday. And as I was writing this yesterday, I was thinking of me and my life. Alison and I, when we were away on holidays, we were having a book come out in another month or two, anyhow. And I, had, I went through the whole book, the, the first draft, and I had the add to it, and I had to take away from it, and go away and be redone again. And, and as I was going through it, I was looking at my testimony, and I was saying, Lord, who is this man? Who is he? I don't recognize this man. The wonderful thought came back to me. He said, son, neither do I. He's a new creature. He's a new creature. I'm sitting yesterday writing this, just inspired by these things, and I said, Lord, you're in a study, and just, just rejoicing. I says, Lord, when I think of all of these things and who I was, I see the man sitting in the Shabin, the paramilitary Shabin. I see a man who couldn't put two and two together most nights because he was so fueled with amphetamines and with various drugs or, or, or with alcohol. I see a man out partying, the, the first one in and the last one home. I see a man up to no good. And I seen a man up in court, and I seen a man doing different things. And it was me. It was me. Who is God? Who is God? Is there a God? Is there not a God? 
But sure, I'm not that bad anyway. I was dead. He says, son, I love you. And listen, see when no one else loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Brother, I want you to get it. He loves you. Sister, I want you to hear it. Not a sinking deep. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he doesn't love you any less today than he did yesterday. He loves you. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, I'm a thirsty preacher this morning, I don't usually drink that much. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, listen to what Paul says to the, to the church at Ephesus. He says, and you, believer, you, Christian, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. The word there for quickened is a word zuboio. It's part of the word where we get our words when you children go to the zoo to see the animals. It's a life form of animal form. Zoo. It comes from zuboio, gives the idea of, of life and living. You have he quickened. It means to reanimate. Reanimate because you see Adam in the garden walked with him in the cool of the day. And when he sinned, that union and fellowship was broken and, and Adam died. So God had to do a wonderful work where he reanimates us back to him. Alive unto him. The Holy Spirit comes and quickens us, makes us alive, reanimates us. It's like when you're getting those little drawings and I've illustrated this before, but it's always good to think about it. It's like a, a little stick man. You get on a wee piece of paper. And then the next page over you, the little stick man, and he's, he's like this one, and next thing he's like that, and he's like that, and he's like that as the pages go. And as you flick those pages, he starts to walk. It's called animation. This is where the word comes from. And we're like little stick men. And we skirts for the stick woman Dead, lifeless, hopeless. But as great love finds us, his abundant mercy comes. His grace is upon us and his spirit comes and he quickens us from death unto life. And we start to come alive and to be animated to walk before God. That's the life of the believer. That's the life of the Christian. Listen to this. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. The idea here is you and I had a, a life or a, a destitute life. Or a life that is destitute that does not recognize Christ nor is devoted to Christ. That's who we were. He quickened us. Christ in your life. 
Brothers and sisters, your life, you were quickened, you were saved, you were regenerated, you were born again to be devoted to Christ. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning service. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening or just a Sunday evening or maybe a Sunday morning. I'm not even talking about the prayer meeting or the Bible study. I'm talking about your life to be devoted to Christ. To be devoted to Christ. So he says, Psalm 16 and verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Listen to an old Puritan called William Austin. He wrote this around 1637. We must know that as men have many paths out of their highway, the world, but they all end in destruction. So God hath many paths out of his highway, the word, and they all end in salvation. Your highway, your path, mine was to destruction. God's highway is in his word, leading us to salvation. This is what I sat and wrote yesterday when I thought on this and mused on it for a while. Except the Spirit through the Word show us the path of life, then we are lost. We remain dead and in our sin and trespasses. We are as brands for the burning under divine wrath and the righteous anger of a holy, just and Almighty God. Only a sovereign act of divine grace would be enough to cause a seismic shift in man's eternal destiny. The Spirit of God makes known to us the path of life. For the Spirit of God, He shows us that path, and that path is Christ. That path is the Lamb. That path is the blood. So a man or a woman that says, this Jesus, I'll try him. Don't bother. This sinner that says, Jesus, I'll give him a go. Don't bother. But the man or the woman who says, except he come and save me, and I repent this moment, then I'm lost. Then come, brother, friend, come. Don't come and say, I'll, I'll give him a go. <laughs> oh, no, this is the Lord of glory. And giving Jesus a go is not salvation. Biblical repentance is a changing of the heart and the mind and a turning from sin, turning from sin and turning to God. And your life that was destitute is now devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I'm closing. I'm going to have to do another week at this. Maybe two more weeks. We'll see. Notice this. When God shows us Psalm 16 and verse 11, he says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Thy right hand are our pleasures forevermore. Our glorious Lord, our gracious Redeemer, our beautiful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, stands in the presence of his Father. And the joy that is his now was not like the joy that we read off in the Scriptures when he was here on earth. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I'm finishing with this. He loved you so much. He loved you so much. You were his joy, not the cross, the joy. You were his joy. The joy of the Father giving to his Son before the worlds began. In the mind of the Father, you were already his. And the joy that was set before him was the joy of saving a renegade, sinful braggart like me and setting me in the path of life to have a heart devoted to him. He, to save me, endured the cross. He, to save you, endured the cross. I ask you, as we close this this morning, brother, sister, let the Lord challenge us this morning. Are we willing? In 2017, in an age of modernity, are we willing to endure, to carry the cross of sanctification for him? If you're not saved, don't come and say, I'll give this Jesus a try. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Because you'll say, I'll give him a try, and you'll walk out the same way you come in. But if you say, yes, Jesus, I need him, then cry to him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brother, sister, are you glad you're saved? Amen. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. Saved by the precious blood of Christ. God bless his word to us.